Welcome to Off the Looking Glass. I'm Kate Fagan. I'm Jessica Smetana. Jess, it's worldwide Off the Looking Glass today because we are going to go halfway across the globe, most of the way across the globe. Yeah, because I think if we went all the way, we'd be back where we are right now. Yeah, it's always tricky. When you do a full 360, you always got that person. Circles are crazy. Yeah, that's a lot of (laughs) thought and math for me. But we are going worldwide because we are going to chat with Meg Linehan, who is actually in... New Zealand, when we spoke to her, she might be in Australia by now, but she is bouncing between those two countries, and she's going to give us everything on the ground, mostly a coffee report, which will then lead into a soccer report. But, I mean, we're all mm-hmm. we're all World Cup here, Jess. We are. And in our defense, ESPN ran a U.S. Women's National Team coffee-related story. So I think it's fair for us to spend half of the conversation talking about coffee. But we should mention we talked to her before the nil-nil draw against Portugal. Mm. So the U.S. Women's National Team has eked its way through the group stage by the slimmest of margins. Um, broke their by the skin of their teeth we might say yes Yes. they they had a long streak going back multiple World Cup cycles of not tying games in the drawing games in the first round yeah Um, that ended versus the Netherlands so there's a lot of mixed emotions mixed feelings I think among U.S. women's national team fans but Kate I think we're gonna remain positive yeah Meg had a she gave us a lot of context as to why this is not a super unfamiliar place for the team to be yeah And we're going to hope that moving forward in the knockout stage, some of the pieces come together finally. Let's hope. Yeah, let's use the phrase since we're we we are phrase users here at Off the Looking Glass. Like they need to grow into this tournament. And Meg might even use that (laughs) phrase. But you see this often in the world of soccer. A team that may not look good in the group stage, it makes a couple tweaks and all of a sudden they're they're looking smarter in the knockout round and then better and better. So you know, we are not we think, we're not going to Carly Lloyd it is yeah. what we're saying, Jess. Right. We're, yeah. Well, I'm not going to accuse anyone of like caring about other things more than soccer. Right. I don't think there's really a, a lack of desire among this group. Right. Yeah. Um, but uh, do we think U.S. Women's National Team management is, is capable of making the changes? I, I'm not sure. OK. But I do know that Canada Canada's out. So at least we're just not out. Yeah, we're not out yet. And again, I don't think smiling is always like an indication that you just don't give an F. Sometimes <laughs> yawning and smiling can just be n- nervous reactions to big stage moments. So w- we're going to remain positive. Although, Jess, I heard a hint of doubt there. Um, spun back into a positive that we have not been eliminated. We're really spinning our wheels here on, on how we feel about this team. I mean, I feel like... If they won, I wouldn't be surprised, right? right but I do feel like I felt I felt better before the tournament started than mm. I do now. Yeah. However, I think in the spirit of one of Darren Ravel's most famous tweets, <laughs> I feel bad for this country, but this is tremendous content. I feel great that this tournament is up for grabs right now, but I feel terrible that the U.S. Women's National Team hasn't blown the doors off in the group stage into the knockout round. All right. Well, should we get you a perfectly executed flat white to make you feel a little bit better about where the U.S. women? Yes. It always makes me feel better. All right. Let's do it. Let's go halfway to maybe full way around the globe and speak to the athletics. Meg Linehan.
basically we're taking off the looking glass to Australia and New Zealand by having Meg on the show. So we're starting with the most important thing, which is coffee. And have you been to Australia yet? I know you're currently in New Zealand. I have not. I leave in a little under a week to go to Sydney, mostly in theory. I have to go to Sydney no matter what, but Sydney is the plan depending on how this group shakes out. So I can't ask you to rank New Zealand versus Australia coffee yet. No, but like give not us yet. the lowdown so far on New Zealand. I mean, the coffee culture here is just absolutely crazy. I mean, there's you generally cannot pass a block without a coffee shop. So what's also really cool is that they are just in many places these tiny little takeaway windows. So it's just like literally they've put a man in a box with an espresso machine with a window, and he's just like, here you go. <laughs> <laughs> you go. Yes. So it's just kind of everywhere. Although I will say they are not like us crazy Americans. They stop drinking coffee at a certain point. So like the coffee places do close down at like two or three. So if you want a later coffee, you have to think about what you're doing. But yeah, the coffee here is great. Flat whites are the go-to really for everyone. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, last night I was at the the New Zealand Philippines game here in Wellington and my backpack did not make my flight. It made the next flight. So I was working without my jacket at the stadium. It is winter. It is breast care. So I was like, let me go get a hot beverage. And they have just a full on coffee cart at the stadium. And they take your coffee or like, cause it says barista coffee. And then it's just like, so a flat white. And she's like, okay. And it's oh just full. Like they have an espresso machine in a little truck and they're like, yeah. here you go. Yeah. It was amazing. This really is the dream. Yeah. And Jess, I was talking to Meg just before you hopped on and Meg said that they also like when they steam the milk, they bop it on the, you know, the the mark of a true well-steamed milk. I mean, this is this is the key thing people want to know about uh, what's happening over there in the World Cup. I mean, to be fair, you know, I've only really done 2015 on in some form. And I, I don't like in 2015, the only games I actually went to were in Montreal. And now as a Burlington, Vermont resident, Montreal is actually my closest major city. And we specifically go there for food. So I'm not trying to say like Montreal is a bad food city, but so far like and to be fair again i haven't been to australia yet, but this is like easily winning food really? world cup vibe for me so like everybody is just like the group chats with the food photos are just everybody is finding the most ridiculous stuff on the face of the planet it's crazy it's just it's really good so have you done any lord of the rings themed activities yet one does not simply walk into mordor no i was supposed to go and then the work days here have been i've gotten about six hours off since i landed a week and a half ago okay not enough time to tour hobbiton i got it yeah yeah so that's for the folks who are out at games in hamilton generally i was originally going to do a bus trip and then instead i went to the new zealand philippines game history which felt like the right decision especially just with the philippines getting that one nil upset and also the bizarre var decision that we got in that one like there was a lot happening so the officiating has been kind of weird in this world cup right yeah it's been really like both we've gotten a million penalties but also they're just letting some stuff go like in that usa vietnam game there was a full-on two-handed shove to the back that resulted in I don't even remember who it was like maybe DeMello or someone like toppling over and then nothing happened and I was just like oh okay that feels like a fall to me 
Yeah. What's the vibe on the ground in New Zealand? God, we're gonna have to get you back on, Meg, too, to, to do the Australia <laughs> vibe. Like, are people buying in, right? Is it like, how is the country's vibe? I was in France for 2019, the whole time. And if you were not in the immediate vicinity of a stadium, you'd probably never know. It's not just Paris, right? Like Paris is a major city. They obviously have other things going on. But here in New Zealand, at least, you walk off the plane in Auckland and the doors slide open and it's like you're being smacked in the face by the World Cup. Like they have this whole installation thing where it's like they've built little stands for people waiting for international arrivals. Like they've put down fake grass. Like it feels like a real thing. (laughs) And then you get downtown and like... Yes, there are obviously parts of town that aren't necessarily like in a true World Cup buzz. But first of all, the Americans are everywhere. <laughs> you can't <laughs> you can't go somewhere without hearing someone American. But, you know, there's this like World Cup bunting everywhere. The games are on at every single like if you walk at night and you look into a bar, the World Cup games are on like period. So it feels to me like and I've have heard some local folks here being like, oh, I don't know if we're doing enough. And I'm like, trust me, compared to previous tournaments, you guys are killing it like you're absolutely killing it. So it just really does feel like a World Cup to me in a way that I have never experienced. They are very much in World Cup mode. Then what was the energy like when they lost last night? Yeah, the crowd was um, agitated. To say the least. Like, I mean, it was good because they, they really did have the back of the ferns for that match but obviously that var decision was wildly wildly unpopular and but what was really interesting is there's a huge amount of philippines fans in the stadium so it was like when the philippines scored that place was rocking like it was not a purely ferns home crowd there were so many people there rooting for the philippines so it was really cool just because you did get this kind of back and forth in the stadium and i was at the argentina italy game too And there was this little clump of fans before the game started in this far section with drums having the time of their lives supporting Argentina. And by the end of the game, they had basically taken over two sections of the stadium. Like everybody flocked to them. It was amazing. So we've we've seen even if, you know, maybe it's not at the level of what we might expect, like the fans are turning up. I think the average attendance across this tournament so far is up like. 40 50 percent maybe i mean like the average attendance for the first 10 games or so in france was like seventeen thousand, and here it's above 30 like people are showing up for every game and that's always a concern of like how are you going to get people to argentina italy right in new yeah. zealand that game had 30 000. it was amazing like the vibe it was not a full stadium it was not forty two thousand or whatever but that vibe was like honestly the best environment that i had been in so far so Yeah, it's just it's really cool to see like people have flown. Obviously, like everybody has a flight to get here, but people have shown up and are having a blast. Like it's just a great World Cup so far. Yeah, it's hard to go like, I don't know, Jess, if you agree, like here in the States, it's hard to like get your finger on the pulse of like how big the Women's World Cup is right now, because you've got the added hurdle of the times being almost impossible. And so You don't have like the gathering. The U.S.'s second game is still to be played, but I wanted, you have a little more finger on the pulse there in New Zealand, but like you're writing articles, you're more in the thick of it. Like what in general, like globally, have you been feeling about this World Cup? Because it's of the difficulty in like this time zone and all of that. 
Yeah, I think there is a balance, right, of you need to put World Cups in places where it's going to grow the game, right? Like, it's who's the best host? How is it going to grow the game? And I think it is honestly really important to hit this corner of the world, right? Like, Australia is obviously... I think everybody knew Australia was going to take advantage of this moment, right? And they've also had all the storytelling leading into the tournament. Like they have that full documentary around the Matildas. Like they are ready and primed to just explode following a World Cup like this. New Zealand, I think everybody was really worried because it is a smaller country. There's fewer resources. And this team before this tournament had never won a World Cup game. Right. Like they have been in all of these tournaments. They'd never won a game they'd drawn, but they'd never won. And then so to have that opening game against their toughest opponent in Norway and to win. It is already so clear what it is doing in terms of like getting people into women's football here. But then to expand, like, I think the time zones do present a challenge for the U.S. for Europe as well. But what we've seen, I think, from at least the viewership numbers is that they're still there, right? Like six million people, I think, ish tuned into USA Vietnam, whether that was on Fox or Telemundo. So like the viewers are still going to be there. This is not going to be like the giant, big record breaking sort of number when you have the USA in the final in 2015 in a time zone that makes sense to us. Like, and I think everyone has to just kind of keep that in mind, but in terms of what we're seeing on the ground, and I think at least from the early numbers that I've seen from kind of like a global perspective, this is still going to feel like a win, even if it is challenging and people are waking up at, you know, like 3am, 5am, whatever it is to watch games, which is definitely like a pain but it's been good over here what are some of the non-us thread storylines that you're paying attention to in new zealand or australia that maybe we haven't been able to watch because of the time difference or it's a little bit off of the radar of american fans yeah i mean i feel like i'm just kind of in ferns land so i've been like really paying attention to what new zealand has been doing but i also think norway switzerland also had their other group a game and norway has just kind of quietly not even quietly they've been imploding (laughs) so far this tournament (laughs) right like they were extremely all over the place in euros last summer and so i think the hope was okay they're going to get it together for the world cup and then they lose to new zealand in the opener and then they have this very strange 0-0 draw with Ada Hegerberg walking off the field potentially because of injury, tweeting that she said, you know, I, I tweaked a muscle and we just didn't want to risk anything. But there is this sense of like something is not right over there, but we don't really know what it is. And I don't know if we will know what it is until after the tournament. So that's definitely something that I think everybody's just kind of looking at going like, okay, interesting. But, you know, beyond that, I think everybody's watching the debutantes. And for me, it has been kind of the CONCACAF teams have been hanging generally, right? Like you look at that England and Haiti game and Haiti, like that was a legit performance. And it was really funny because someone tweeted at me to be like, you tried to warn them. (laughs) No one listened (laughs) to you because I watched them play in Mexico last summer at CONCACAF qualifiers. They're a really good team. All these players play in France with professional teams, like they're not going to roll over for England. And they're also going to bring, you know, what we affectionately refer to as, as CONCACAF energy, where it's chaotic and physical and you don't know what's going to happen in a game. And 
that's exactly how it played out. Jamaica too, holding France to that draw as well. So that's to me is the other really fun plot line of, you know, I'm not necessarily in near those games just because I am on U.S. Women's National Team duty, but watching CONCACAF teams kind of hold their own has been pretty enjoyable. So as someone on U.S. National Team duty, how do you thread the needle of both being realistic about what the United States team is doing and having concerns for it, but also acknowledging like they still won their opening game by three to zero. Maybe it wasn't 14 to zero, but you know, it it came out looking solidly dominant over a team that they should have beaten by a few goals. Yeah, I feel like actually it is. I feel great being over here because I feel like I'm so removed from the discourse over that one. (laughs) So I can just kind of be like, okay, that's happening. I don't need to pay attention to it because I think for anyone who has been A, watching the U.S. Women's National Team, but B, paying attention to kind of the overall state of women's soccer, women's football in the world, like no one paying attention was expecting a 13-0 result against Vietnam, even though they were debutantes, right? Especially after the thing that should have clued everyone in is that they held Germany to a 2-1 result in their like warm-up game right before the tournament. And I think Vlaco has talked about this a lot. Like he's just like, we're not expecting a Thailand style opener. Right. And to be fair, we saw it with Germany and Morocco, but even that was six, nothing. Right. And like Germany ran that game, but even they could not get it into double digits. So I, I feel like, and this is a good thing that those times are gone. Right. Like, I don't think we will see a 13, nothing result. And there were so many concerns about opening up the tournament to 32 teams, expanding the tournament. But then we have generally seen the debutants handle the moment pretty well. Again, like Morocco is kind of an outlier, but also they are facing the number two team in the world. Like it is kind of a a slight USA Thailand situation. But from a US point of view, like they got the job done. I feel like folks who are newer, who did not live through the suffering that was the 2015 <laughs> World Cup, where they looked terrible for multiple games in a row and still won the thing like ultimately the mission is getting through the next game like you get a win and you go on that's it and it almost starts to feel like in-game criticism doesn't add anything because it the clock resets every single time so do i expect to see adjustments in the second game absolutely like yes from a technical staff point of view like obviously the clock doesn't really reset for them there are adjustments but from a outside narrative like first of all None of them care. None of them care about it. It is truly about just advancing, winning and advancing. So, you know, three nothing win. Sophia Smith involved in every single goal, two goals, one assist. Roosevelt and Megan Rapino on the field. Julie Ertz in a center. Like a lot of things happened in that game. And they walked out with a win. They walked out with goals. To me, job accomplished you move on to the netherlands so yeah it it is kind of like i feel like i'm also now kind of in the bubble yeah it sounds like it oh that's nice (laughs) i want to be in that bubble yeah especially with the flat whites that are inside the bubble exactly um (laughs) so you mentioned rose lavelle and megan rapino coming in in the second half what did you see from the two of them like i i think there's like the layman's view which is me being like you know, Rose looked pretty good. Megan maybe looked a little rusty, but like I'm trusting the expert here. Like, what did yeah. you see? Because those will be two key people if they're if they're going to win this thing. Yeah, I mean, I'm a lot more concerned about what Rose Savelle looked like, honestly. And she looked fine, and the team looked better 
when she was on the field. Like, I feel like everybody got everybody's creativity went up a notch. Right. And that's what's going to be really important. And so that's why I think everybody is looking to see what the starting 11 is going to be against the Netherlands, because if Roosevelt is ready to start, which the general vibe, I think that now the expectation is like, yes, that was her little warm up. You got her on the field. We're good to go. So that's step number one. With Pino, like, yeah, the final touch wasn't quite there. But for me, the important part with her is that she was putting herself into dangerous spots. So the finishing touch wasn't there, but the instinct of where she had to be was completely unaffected from her time off. And so that to me is kind of like, it will come. The challenge is, is that she's not going to get the level of minutes where like it might come as quickly as you might hope. But I think the hope would be that it comes through the group stage. And then by the time you get into the knockouts, if she is needed to be called upon in that last 30, 20, 15, whatever it is, that she then has the touch. <laughs> when y'all are going to get pints after a match and you're chatting, when you do talk like about what does the U.S. need to do to win this World Cup? Like what to you, what are the what are those things? Like if we see a win, what will have happened? Um good use of depth and honestly like it's the mentality piece right like i think it is just understanding that the goals are only going to get harder and so the finishing part is going to be really key but it's really just hard to be like well you have to score your goals right like that is if there is one takeaway from that game right that game could have been five nothing but if you're gonna miss one like the pk i think you just alex morgan i'm sure has just let go of that mentally right like that that's what you have to do as an elite athlete but like roosevelt is hitting the crossbar like it is a matter of an inch and so i think the scoring opportunities looked really good but it's can they again turn up the dial on being clinical on the finishing and that's been one of the big narratives around this team since i mean honestly over the last four years so which is wild because you think about our attacking talent and it's like you watch them in the NWL and they're scoring goals like a million times a day. But it's just can you tighten? Can you tighten it up? Can you tighten it up? And can you grow into this tournament? And that's a really hard thing, I think, sometimes for people to just kind of quantify. But that is kind of you have to just peak at the right time. It's like any other sports situation, right? Like you don't want to come in and then have it fall apart. You want to come in and grow into this tournament. And with so many new players like Sophia Smith in the mix zone after that first game admitting, like I was nervous. I think I will still be nervous in game two and allowing players like that to have those emotions and then to work through them. Like it only gets harder (laughs) from here. What is the biggest thing that you notice if there is a thing in the difference of play between when you're watching a player in the NWSL and like the normal portion of a year versus when they're in the World Cup? Is it like that first touch? Is it kind of finesse plays? Is it moving? And is it nerves? Like, what do you notice that changes the most? Yeah. I mean, I think just the NWSL is a more forgiving environment of just like if you don't have a perfect first touch you can usually get away with it. And here that is not always going to be the case. It's especially not going to be the case against the Netherlands. So yeah, I think it is just, are you being as clean and as smart as you possibly can be? It is just like, you know, you have a step up from NWL to international games to begin with, but then World Cup, like the margins become so much finer. And that's where like, you know, I was at New Zealand, Philippines, 
and watching some of the kind of unforced errors that New Zealand were making. And it's just like, this is where you get punished. Like Philippines is a debutante nation, right? This was supposed to be a game that this was the game that New Zealand was supposed to win. And then they didn't. That's the World Cup environment. So it is just kind of, are you playing as clean as you possibly can because any mistake is going to potentially turn into a bigger situation than you could ever anticipate. And it certainly wouldn't be a situation in the NWSL. What do you think about this Netflix doc? You excited for it? The one that's going to be coming out in September? I mean, I... I I think it's a lot of pressure. That's what, like, I mean... Did you see that announcement, Jess? It was the most vague press release that I've ever seen, but I did see the announcement. I just was like, damn... If there's not enough pressure already, no one's gonna be watching a doc. Now there's cameras crapping out of the <laughs> crapping out of the World Cup. Yeah, it is. But, I mean, but also it's a team that thrives off pressure, even though it's a new generation of players, right? Like that is the environment, and that is the environment that's also like passed out. Like the expectation is, you win, period, and so it's just another element. When you see the packages and the interviews with players talking about how cutthroat camps are and how high the expectations are for them when you're around other countries and other teams is that just not something that other countries say about themselves or is there something like I always yes, wonder yeah. is there something truly special, yeah, special? about us or is that something that like the England players would say about their camps as well <laughs> I think England would say yeah I, I think I don't think it's like a, a hundred percent across the board because I feel like you know everything that I've heard about New Zealand too is that for them, it's a team that does not get a lot of time together, right? So I think like there are teams coming into this World Cup with very different approaches just because for some of these countries, it's literally just like, we have to play together. The US doesn't have that problem. So there's that element. But I think for any, like Germany would probably say like, no, of course our camp is crazy, right? Like, what are you talking about? So are we special? Maybe like a little bit, but not like, (laughs) but depth I think has always been the thing for the U.S. And that's what got Allie Krieger in trouble in 2019 when she said we could put a B team through this World Cup. And that made a lot of people mad. True, but made a lot of people mad. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right, Meg. So it's only it's 830 there. So you are on your way to your first flat white of the day. <laughs> yes. OK, very well, we much. Will, we will let you go flat white word, which is a new word. <laughs> flat white tour to flat white yeah thank you for joining us thank you for having me thank you so much this has been great a flat white's milk has the slimmest of microphone textures you add just enough air and you're folding the milk not so much air as you intend to fold All right, that was Meg Linehan reporting live from halfway around the world, 40% fully, around the world, yeah, all the way around the world. Fully 180. 180, okay, yeah. I was like, if she's all the way around the world, she's where we are. And then I was like, you know what? I just <laughs> am not even going to play that joke. So a big thank you to Meg, who works for The Athletic, to give us a scoop on coffee in Australia and New Zealand, as well as the U.S. women's team and... My favorite topic, the upcoming Netflix doc. I'm very excited to watch it. We are watching the making of it right now when we watch the U.S. Women's National Team. But then in September, we'll be able to watch what happened all over again with hopefully some inside scoop. That's what I'm hoping for. 
Yeah, there's like a Netflix Inception thing happening. Did you ever watch the LFG doc on HBO that came out a couple years ago? Yes, we're female athletes, but we're so much more than that. I thought that one was pretty well done. So if this one is anything like that one, yeah. I'm going to enjoy it. I really thought you were going to ask me if I saw Inception, and I have seen Inception. Ooh, yeah. did you like Inception? Loved Inception. Whose subconscious are we going into exactly? Big Chris Nolan guy. Me too. Yeah, didn't like the next one. Forgot the name of it. Interstellar. No, that was before. The one after. Tenet? Tenet. Not a big fan of Tenet. Didn't think it Never really. Never saw Tenet. Didn't think it really held up. Very excited for Oppenheimer. You and I are both Barbie mm. people. We've already seen Barbie. We're not going to bore mm-hmm. you with that. Too much Barbie talk out there. But <laughs> once we both see Oppenheimer, we'll report back on that. Oppenheimer is definitely a movie that I will be watching on a long flight in the future. Mm-hmm. You are the man who gave them the power to destroy themselves. And the world is not prepared. Oh, wait, we should thank everyone for helping us make this show. Jess, co-hosting and producing the show. Anya Alvarez, producing the show. Carl Scott, executive producing the show. Joel Shupak, audio designing and sound designing the show. Meg Linehan, coming on the show to talk about the Women's World Cup with us. Thank you. I think that's it. All right. Happy World Cupping. Happy World Cupping. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.